Welcome back to Don't Cut a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We are returning after a very long hiatus to the Game of Thrones series today. Uh, we're, we're reading A Storm of Swords. That's the third book in the series. Um, if somehow you haven't or not familiar with the story yet, don't don't read. Go back and read the first two. And today we, we've read a quarter of the book. There's not chapter numbers, but it's about a quarter of the way through. We just finished a Catelyn chapter and we stopped before a Jamie chapter. That's where we are. It t- takes a lot of words. But I got we got to get warmed up first. Okay. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get us there. The good thing is, Dan, my warm-up is very topical. Ooh. Because it's okay. actually related to the Game of Thrones universe. Okay. I don't know if you're aware of this, mm-hmm. but in just like three days or something, the new Game of Thrones TV show debuts. Uh, I was not aware of that at all, actually. Okay. Okay. So, uh, as... Dan didn't watch the TV show because Dan what Dan had a moral uh <laughs> Dan's too cool. Dan's too cool for school. Um and ended up being vindicated because mm. the last the ending was tough. But the the next show from HBO that's coming out in like three days is from George's Fire and Blood book, which is the Targaryen like from 300 years before the events of this book, right? Do you have any interest in watching it? That's my first question to you. <sighs> no, not right now. Okay. But but I think okay. I I need to ask a question first before I can before sure. I lock that in. Do you feel like mm, do you feel like the show, the Game of Thrones show, the ending kind of spoiled the series a little bit for you? Like do you feel like the oh, ending um you feel like it was worth do you feel like it was worth it to watch the thing? Or do you feel like th- with the ending as bad as it was, you wish you hadn't even watched it? Oh, I don't wish I hadn't watched it. I don't think I would recommend anyone watching it now. Uh-huh. Um, just because, like, the ending is is tough. Um, but I, 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 don't th- I don't think it, like, negates okay. the previous seasons. But, but to be clear, I'm talking about the new show. Yeah, I, I understand that. I just want to, like, my perspective is... I'm going to wait until everybody else watches it. And if everybody else decides that, you know what, it actually was good all the way through, then maybe I'll dip my toes in. But I'm not going to... All the way through? I'm oh not going to start. Okay. No way. <laughs> okay, here's my... here's the, the reason that I bring it up mm-hmm. is this is probably not a hot take. But to you, it probably is. Okay. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Golly. And I'm excited for it. And I'm getting HBO specifically for it. No, you're not. It's going to be great. Luke. I think it's going to be great. Oh, my God. Luke. I believe. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I realized that you were, like I said, kind of vindicated in your decision not to watch the previous series. Because the last, I think maybe the last like two seasons were not great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think that you have missed out. Because, like, the first five or six seasons, genuinely phenomenal. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I acknowledge that. I definitely acknowledge that 100%. Um, okay. Why do you think this is going to be good? What about this do you think match? Like, okay. what about this do you think is puts it on the level of the first five or six seasons or whatever that you thought were good? Okay, here's, here's, here's my reasoning. 
So the last show um, was, was, like I said, very good for the first five or six seasons. And then the last two maybe were, for one thing, obviously the big one passed the books. So they were making up their own material, mm-hmm. right? They were not basing it off of previously written stuff. Um, and what I've heard, which I'm not an expert on the gossip, is that the writers for the previous show had just gotten like a big Star Wars deal and were kind of phoning it in, which is a bold move, if true. Let me caveat that. Especially so considering that, that all the Star Wars them. movies felt like they were phoning it in too, but okay. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, this this show, right, it's all, um, it's all previously written. It's all in the Fire and Blood book which I have not read. Right. That was the other question I was going to ask is, did you read it? Because maybe the book isn't that good. I, I haven't read it, but I've heard that it's like people like it. Okay. I mean, George is, I, I we do like George as an author. So. Right. Uh, right. Okay. And I think, I think we don't give enough credit for like the specific production company. So this is HBO and like all of their teams you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it takes to make a high budget TV show like this, but like costume, music, set design, all of that stuff, head and shoulders above the others, at least for the the fantasy shows that they've put out recently. The honestly, the like costume design for the Game of Thrones show, incredible, incredible. I just remember one. I don't even remember what episode it was. One of the later ones, Jamie has this leather jacket. <sighs> incredible <laughs> but no i think I'm, I'm assuming hbo has all of the not all of the obviously but like still has most of the team that was working on the previous game of thrones shows and i think it's gonna help i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be a big difference plus the incentive for making this really good is like astronomical when you consider how much of a like money maker game of thrones this show was and then it went like completely off the cliff They've got, it's got to be like, I don't know. The incentive for making this good is very high. Okay. I've got two questions then. Okay. First, how, how long is this book they're basing this TV show off of? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Okay. Because, I mean, you could be setting yourself up for the exact same situation with Game of Thrones, right? Right. I, I will say like the Game of Thrones thing, we actually don't know how it ended, or like how it was supposed to end, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas this setting takes place in the past. So the actual like larger framework of the like full events are done. No. Okay. This is rewriting history, Luke, because George told them how it was supposed to end. Like they did know how it was supposed to end. He gave them the like big picture, right. big picture. It's the exact same situation. I'm choosing not to believe. That. Okay. I'm choosing not to believe. That. All right, fine. <laughs> but then my- I'm choosing to believe he gave them a fake ending. Yeah. He <laughs> because perfect. I want a different one. <laughs> well, apparently now he is writing a different one. So cool. George, thanks yeah. for that. Uh, second question, Luke. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, I get that there's a lot of potential here like sure game of thrones was huge and now nobody really like talks about it or watches it uh and there's like potential for that hype to come back but like how long do you think that's gonna last when george can't finish a book like there your whole premise is that tv show based on george book equals good 
TV show not based on George book equals not so good. So we're relying. Okay, it's we're relying on George to finish some <laughs> books here. No, no, this is not unfinished work. Right, right. But you're saying it's like building this thing, right? We're building this hype and it's going to be like super valuable. But like only in so far as they could keep making shows and they can only do that at the quality level if there are books for them to make shows about. I think you're too focused on the ending of the like overall series and you'll not accept the show unless it you have confirmation that it's going to end well but i think that it's gonna like the first season let's just say i think it's going to be really good maybe but i'll say this luke before we move on the ending of game of thrones is literally all anybody talks about about the show these days so okay okay yes for sure but that's because the previous five seasons were so good sure fine but the legacy it left is a legacy of of destruction and famine okay. and death. Yes, I'll I'll. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Several years of great content, though. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Nobody cares. Let's about leave it that. there. Uh, let's. <laughs> Luke's very excited for the show, and Dan is skeptical. Um, okay, let's let's get to the section that we have read, which is the first quarter of A Storm of Swords. Mm-hmm um quick quick question for you did you go back and listen to any of our previous episodes because i i did not i also did not okay okay so we're 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 doing fresh ground here fresh ground i remember some of our key theories um right but but no no i didn't go back and listen to the deeds of the past episodes so okay yeah I i came in to this book without having consumed much game of thrones content for like a few years so i had to get get reacquainted quickly um the first thing that well i don't know about the first thing but one of the big things that i noticed that i remember now Mm -hmm. is that the ages for people are crazy like that everyone's like 16 max (laughs) yeah this i think is the biggest difference with the show right because in the show everybody seems way older well they have to be correct because otherwise it's, like it's a sexy there's like a lot of sexy components of it and it's like you can't have a 16 year old in there like fighting wars and having sex correct yeah um yeah they're all so young in doing this which i think was an excellent choice from george's perspective because it makes their stupid decisions so much more reasonable mm-hmm. because you can be like Oh, sure. Arya doesn't realize that moss doesn't grow on, like, a specific side of the tree because she's fucking nine. And, like, she just heard that <laughs> once somewhere and is going with it. Right, right. So it per- and, and all the Rob screw-ups, I think, are, are, are big in this context. 100%. He's 16. Yeah, he's just, like, a high schooler. Like, oh, for sure I would have been Rob. I would have done that in a second. <laughs> I get it, Rob. Right right um it gets dark as well in some of the age things like at one point they're talking about a 13 year old boy marrying a baby girl it's like i don't love that at all yeah i mean at that point it's like what do we that just doesn't count it doesn't count okay i will say obviously in this context it's a contract and it's not like we're making a 13 year old go have sex with a baby 
Right. But yes, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, yeah, also all the other marriage stuff that they're talking about with Sansa is all just like so creepy, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's that. Okay. But I think the thing that's creepiest about this is the marriage stuff between, at least for me, is the marriage stuff between Marjorie and uh, Joffrey. Because. Okay. It's, it's weird to me to have such a public spectacle about two like 15 year olds going to have sex. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Because that's like what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 we don't have to talk too much more about that. I do remember one of our early episodes. We talked about the ages already. We did talk. This We have talked okay. about this before. But we're going to break some new ground here. We, we learn early on how many Night's Watch there are. Did you pick this up? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember. So 300 of them are ranging beyond the wall. And... Yes. Jon Snow mentions that that is almost a third of the Night's Watch. We're okay. We're talking less than a thousand dudes are in the Night's Watch. So from one perspective, I get it because nobody really thinks the Night's Watch does anything anymore. And so they're like, why? I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who cares that there's a thousand people? They're just like freezing their balls off on a big ice wall. So. Right. From that perspective, I can understand. But let's look at it from a different perspective, Luke. And that's perspective of, hey, you committed a terrible crime. You can either be executed or you can go hang out in a cold wall for the rest of your life. Okay. You're, you're, saying, you're saying we're executing too many people. If anybody had a choice, who's not choosing that? Right. So, like, yeah, I'm going. I I imagine there'd be like a like a thousands and thousands of people who would be like, yeah, I didn't want to get my head cut off, so I'll just go ride around by the wall. Yeah, especially when you consider there like there's good, there's for sure so many more executions than we see or hear about or would even like imagine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do you, I want is it just people aren't give I'm assuming people are just aren't given the choice, which it's like we got to we we got to start telling our DAs to offering the choice. It's like mm. no more mandatory executions, no more mandatory maximums, always a choice. Let's give them community service. Maybe think about that as an option. Right. Right. <laughs> uh and 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 let's make the let's make the wall a little bit nicer. Then they'll choose it more often. I don't think they want them to choose the wall, Luke. I don't think people are like, yeah, this I hope this murderer goes to the wall instead of me getting to cut his head off right i guess the real issue is what you started with which is they just don't think that the wall is useful or the night's watch is useful right like it's clear from previous books that everybody south of the wall is like yeah it's all just fake uh nobody really cares they're just like they're just like guardians against the boogeyman like it's not real none of that stuff's real right um but I just can't get over the fact that there's less than a thousand people up there right now uh, when that's a potential choice instead of getting executed. Right. And this isn't even including, okay, okay, okay. Because it's also a choice people just make, right? So, right. But I'm assuming not many. 
even so, it take like there's a sizable number that make this choice. It's non-zero, like that we know of several characters that have made that choice to go up and be mm-hmm. on the Night's Watch. So like not even all those thousand people are former prisoners. Like a good number of them are people who are just like, yeah, I want to go up to the wall. So it's like maybe 800 people are the prisoners who decided to do that. Way more than that are getting killed every day in Westeros. Right. So many more. And, okay, we should acknowledge, I think it is important to acknowledge, they aren't all given the choice, right? Like when Rob kills the car start guy, he doesn't, he's not like, you want to go to the wall? Right. But I'm assuming that's like a relatively limited, because those are like high profile ones. Right. Right. And, I mean, we hear the crimes of the people who've been sent to the wall. It doesn't seem like they're nonviolent offenders. Like they are sending bad, bad boys up there. Yeah, the bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You take that deal. I don't know either. I don't know either. You do. You for sure do. Um, let's let's stay in this area, okay? Because I do want to say the wildlings and the wildling like culture and like variation is way cooler than south of the wall. Because south of the wall, it's like okay, we've got this family, this family. Uh, and this family and they're all the same but they're big enemies one of them has a castle in a river and the other one has a castle in a big field whatever that's the differences between all of the ones south of the wall north of the wall it's like these dudes have clubs for feet uh (laughs) these guys ride giants um (laughs) these guys are wargs it's crazy it's amazing Luke, I love this, first of all, because I thought you were going to go the route of their like political system is very different where you can just do whatever you want. Nobody judges anybody for doing anything. And I love that you took it the route of the aesthetics of these different groups are so much better than South of the Wall. And I'm excited to talk about that. I especially with the (laughs) leaders of these different groups, like the leaders of the people Mm -hmm. South of the Wall, it's like. You have to know where they're from to give them any kind of distinguishing characteristics or they have to have like long blonde hair and have sex with their sister for you to be able to distinguish them from anybody else. Whereas the people north of the wall, it's like, oh, yeah, that one doesn't have ears and is just like a tall fighter boy. This one's huge. This one's absolutely massive uh, and eats all the time and is like a jolly old guy. This one covers himself in bones. This is the bone one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's so much cooler. Yeah, I totally agree. And man, I think John is being such a little baby about the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I get it. Boo-hoo, you killed your mentor. Maybe give these people a chance, John. Give them a chance. What are we do? What are we doing? Oh, the wildlings. The I going aside any like uh, real world analogs to this. Yeah, but like <laughs> calling <clears throat> calling everyone north of the wall wildlings, and then when you go up there and it's like I don't even know if these people are human. This guy's a human. I don't think that dude is. That dude's a giant. Um, these are not one group. I want to know everything about all of you. 
Also, as soon as they're like, wargs are a thing, I'm like, uh, hello, yes, please. Yeah. What is that? Get down here. You're on the, why are you on this side of the wall? Get over here. We're buddies. (laughs) I get that there are some historical things in this world that makes them north of the wall, but come on. I know. I know, Luke. It's, I'm, okay. I know Tyrion goes to the wall on like a research expedition. Mm-hmm. How are there not more Meisters going up to do research beyond the wall? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, because we do hear that there is some trade that happens between the Black Brothers and the Wildlings. So right. there's some kind of diplomatic relationship between those these factions. Um, I feel like they would mutually benefit from a little research project. I ag- I agree, especially when you consider how much, like, of the old knowledge the wildlings have that seems fairly valuable or at least interesting. Fascinating. Are you kidding me? Giants? Man, I could write a great thesis on any bits of information. How how giants uh, manicure their toes. Right. How do they do it? They've got no yeah, necks. How are they looking down? Building knowledge here, one step at a time. <sighs> Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. These wildlings are fascinating and way more interesting in their in their like groups and hierarchies than than to the south. Like everybody has a distinguishing characteristic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I okay. I feel like this is just what happens when you're in a society that is not defined by like where you live. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I don't know if because I there's a decent chance that it. The wildlings are also fairly defined by where they live. Maybe that's true. Yeah. It's just that we don't know anything about the area. Okay, that that could be. And I think building on that, we should maybe acknowledge that if the wildlings went down south, they would be like, whoa, you all look crazy. What are all these colors? <laughs> yeah, but it's... Okay, sure. Uh, I don't think so. Though. I don't think so I don't either. Think so. I think they're totally happy with their vibe. Yeah. I think they're crushing yeah. it. I think they're crushing it. Absolutely. I, I think so too. I'm joining up. Um, can we go just a little bit south? Just a teensy bit. Okay. So we're going to jump ahead a little bit ahead in the story. Okay. Because I do want to, I do want to throw a bit of shade on Sam Tarley here. All right. So they're on the fist and, uh, they're getting ready to attack the wildlings. And Sam has been told by the Lord Commander, if they get attacked, he needs to send a message. They get attacked by the others. Sam runs over to the ravens, takes his pre-written message out, puts it on the raven's foot, and sends it away. The pre-written message that he puts is, hey, we're under attack. And that's like <laughs> all it says. Right. And I will acknowledge, after he does that one, he's like, oh, I got to write a better message. And frantically scribbles out like a bunch more that he does not send. Like none of those other messages go out. Right. Sam, that first message, maybe just scribble in a little bit that's like, by the way, it's the others. And then you put it in. Right. Yeah. I... I thought of this too. It was frustrating because like the value of that first message, pretty low. 
bad it's message. Like, he, like, okay, okay. He, I think, succeeded in what he was technically supposed to do. <laughs> but it was like bare minimum. I don't understand why he was not like sending sequential messages, right? Like he was writing out a bunch of potential messages. And first, for one thing, all of those were also almost useless. I will say, I mean, he was in like crisis mode, so yeah. he's maybe not thinking clearly. But the message that he was writing, the message that he was writing out were also not good. I don't understand why he was not like, I'll, I'll write down what I just saw and then I'll send it. And then I'll write down the next thing and then I'll send it too. Because like, that's all, that's how you, that's how information is like accrued. Right. And I, it was hard for me to tell if it was just happening so quickly that he didn't have time to send one off before like the next thing was happening. That was super important. Right. There's potential there. That was kind of how I was reading it. But like, what's the most important thing? Like, let's, let's just think of, all right, I have, I got to send a message out. What will be the most important message I can send? It's right. It's so obvious. It seems so obvious to me. Right. It's like, Hey, the others are for sure here. Right. Like that's the one, that's the thing you say of if you're, anything if, else. If you're not willing to commit to that, I heard three horns. There you go. Oh, perfect. That way, that way it's not on me. That way it's, it's on the person that did the horns. Also, you don't necessarily need to send like outcomes. You don't need to send a message saying that we won (laughs) because then you won and you have time to send it later. It's fine. Come on, Sam. Here's where I think I would criticize Sam. Um, There's only, you're you're right. You're right. There's only a few outcomes you need to have pre-written messages. Mm -hmm. Maybe while you're like shivering away on the hill, practicing archery you come up with those pre like those necessary pre-written messages because he did pre-write one that was like we're under attack the one he sent was the one that was pre-written right just like write a few more yeah like oh we're under attack is one of them another one is uh we lost super bad and are retreating another one is uh turns out craster's super cool and we're gonna just chill up here with him bye like (laughs) Just write the few things that you might need to send short notice. Right. Yeah. Like quick ones. The ones that you would not be able to get off if like disaster struck. Right. Stupid, fat, cowardly Sam. I hate him. (laughs) I know. I do. We all hate Sam. Um, However, Sam does kill a White Walker. (laughs) Accidentally. (laughs) You're not giving him credit? I give him no credit. Okay, okay. <laughs> he did come in after the White Will, the White Walker had like killed another guy and gotten his sword stuck in. Which, by the way, White Walker, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah, rookie move. You're like an ancient fighter, and you're losing your sword in one big boy, one random big boy. Well, he's probably a little out of practice, Luke. That's true. It's very true. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're easy, Luke. Okay. Are you, go ahead. I've got one more thing about the wall before we move south, because I, I do want to okay. move south, but I've I've got a last a last thing about the wall. Uh, unless you have anything else about the wall or north of it. No. Okay. I've got a theory about the wall. Okay. I think 
and maybe this is explicitly mentioned in an earlier book, but it's been so long that I don't remember. I feel like there's another potential purpose to the wall, and that is <laughs> to prevent southern lords from raising an army of wildlings. Okay. Because imagine if Rob was like, hey, uh, just send word to the wildlings that they can just have all the south if they fight for us. Sure, sure. I mean, it would be a good, it would be a good move. I think it'd be risky. Uh-huh. It would um, be risky. You'd, you'd threaten the morale of your troops for sure. Well, also, I, I don't know if I'm trusting them to not like also try to take the north. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but why would they want the north? The south sounds so much nicer. That's where they're from, though. Yeah, but be like, hey, have you ever had fruit before? You guys are <laughs> going to love fruit. It's going to change your world. That's true. That's true. Um, no, there's a decent chance. There's a decent chance because, like, it's a, it's they're a good, it's a pretty good resource of like fighting people. There's like thirty thousand self-sufficient warriors north of the wall. The, right. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty big force. Man, we got to team up. Honestly, we do. I realize that that's probably a big, a big point of the series that we got to team up against the big baddies but the wildlings are so cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean john's i think john will come around john will come around maybe john maybe john will be the one that uh promises them the south maybe i mean granted we should say that luke and i've already finished the the series the written series so maybe that happens maybe we should could. we shouldn't say anymore who's to say <laughs> Okay, you ready to go south? Let's go south. Um, I'm going to go all the way south. Ooh. To the uh, Red Keep. Okay, so not to Dorne, but pretty close. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's all, that's not all the way south, sure. Um, I, I, I actually only have like two notes for this. Um, number one is we've got to give, give a lot of credit for Lady Olena with a all-time great entrance to a book. Lady Elena, the, uh, I forget what they call her. Something of thorns. Lady of thorns, I thought. Lady of thorns. Yeah. Um, I just love how it's like Lady of thorns. How could this little old lady be Lady of thorns? And then she just like spends the next 30 pages just like roasting everybody. She's incredible. It's phenomenal. Yeah, she's incredible. (laughs) Uh, Might be my favorite character in the book so far. Okay. Um, Sure. Yeah. Lady of thorns absolutely rules is crushing it in mm-hmm. every way. Um, That's right. Totally agree with you. The mm, Do you feel like she gets away with a lot of stuff because she's old? Or do you feel like she's always gotten away with this kind of thing? Hmm. I, I'm assuming that her personality was always similar to this, mm-hmm. but I have to guess that it's increased. For one thing, like as, as she got older, I'm assuming she got more confident. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, she definitely at this point gets away with stuff for because she's old. Because like, if a young person was saying this, it'd be like, get out of here. Right. Right. Like it's, I think there's two, yeah, there's two aspects to this that I think her age really amplifies her persona. The first is like, she's just outlasted everybody else. So like, she has the most seniority and that like kind of comes with authority, right? She's like Mm -hmm. been the lady of that keep for so long that she kind of like runs things. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the other one is just like she's so old she just doesn't care what anybody thinks. She's got like old person apathy, not apathy, but like I guess it is kind of apathy which turns into confidence among a certain age sure. of people. Yeah. Because it's just like I don't really care if you like me or not. Like I'm gonna die kind of soon, so I'm just gonna do it. Right. And it's that confidence that I think is so incredible with the Lady of Thorns because it's a little sad to think that she she wasn't always like this it's a little sad to think she was maybe reining it in for a while because it's fabulous it is it is um i i have to assume and hope that it's she's been like this for a long time yeah no me too because she she has the name it's a great name see that's how you give someone a nickname lady of thorns is perfect right yeah yeah uh i can I talk about a scene that happens during this interaction with Sansa and the Lady of Thorns? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they call in a jester. Jester starts doing some tricks. One of the tricks the jester does is he like cracks an egg and a bunch of chicks fly out and he pretends to eat one, but then it appears like somewhere else on the table. Right. And, and everyone seems to be like, oh, Nice. He didn't eat it. It's over there. But he he definitely like ate it. Well, I don't know. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. Uh, no, like he for sure ate it. <laughs> uh, and like, I mean, it's a good trick, but kind of horrific that he just crunched a <laughs> a chick hole in live for a magic trick. Right. Um. I'm I'm still choosing to believe. For one thing. Okay, that's fine. That's fine, Luke. I the the thing about this that I I came out of this scene with is some of these tricks are pretty good. <laughs> I'd be entertained. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen close up magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I ever have, honestly. Um, but the, some of the things being described here, this is a good jester. I'll, I'd pay to see him, honestly. I would too. Except for until he starts singing at the top of his lungs. It's like, all right, I know that we're doing this because Lady Elena told you to so that they could have a little private conversation, mm. but like really insensitive, honestly. Yeah, but you're not going to complain. The Lady of Thorns will crush you right. with words. <laughs> she will destroy you with words if you complain. That's true. That's true. Uh, the, the thing, okay, the thing about these jesters that I'm having a hard time with, though, I feel like your whole life has to be in pursuit of wanting to be a jester in order to do this like being a jester is not just a job that you do being a jester is like your entire life do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mm, wh- i'm just trying to understand who who in their life is like i need to be a jester and that's just like what i'm gonna do that's just gonna be who i am it's just jester that's all right I feel like it almost gets assigned to you early. Oh, could be. Yeah. I don't. But then like, why? Why would I keep doing that? Yeah, I'll go (laughs) join the Night's Watch. I don't want to like flop around all day and not wash my hair and be joked at all day. No. Yeah. You cannot be taken seriously in any context after you become a jester in Westeros. No, not at all. And even like money doesn't make up for it. Like even if these jesters were paid so much money, 
it feels like they wouldn't be able to use it because anywhere they go, it'd be like, oh, haha, it's the jester. And you'd have to like do your jester thing. Yeah. You can't take the hat off and be like, yes, I just like a beer and I just like to sit quietly here if that's okay. They're like, no, 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 tell us a joke. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a tough, that is a weird life to live. Because mm-hmm. you're also always playing with the child of the house. It's like, it's like you spend maybe 10% of your work hours um, like doing the thing for like the feast or whatever yeah and then the entirety of the rest of every single day is spent entertaining the children of nobles stamina gotta be high you gotta be tired all the time yeah i mean you know they have some like easy toys to give them to play with like yeah here's a box of legos i'm just gonna take five if you could play with these that'd be great thanks (laughs) right yeah or they're getting the kids just absolutely blackout drunk and they're like, finally, they're asleep. <laughs> I don't care if they this have is brain why damage. The, uh, the, uh, I forget which, which one it is. I think it's Stannis's daughter. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. has the jester that, that has gone crazy. That's the one. Yeah. We're asking too much of it. Stannis' daughter has been chasing him around for five years. His, he's exhausted. Okay. <laughs> give him a vacation it'll come back good as new they don't want him good as new they want the crazy guy <laughs> that's true speaking of since we're down at the red keep mm-hmm. so there's this story going around that renly's ghost appeared during the fighting and seemed to indicate that they were siding with the lannisters and Highgarden. Mm-hmm. And the reason this rumor is going around is because some something was wearing Renly's armor. How is that story holding up to any scrutiny? I'm trying mm. to figure out how everybody's like totally accepting of the fact that like Renly's armor was doing things in the battle. And sure, maybe not everybody believes it was a ghost. Maybe like some people are thinking like we are, where it's like, yeah, it's just somebody that put on his armor. But like... Right. Let's say you're in the battle and you see what you think is Renly wearing armor. Like, I'm going to follow him, but just indefinitely. Because it's like, holy shit, that's Renly over there. We need to see what's up with that guy. <laughs> like, okay, of course you follow him until he takes his armor off, right? <laughs> I see what you mean. Yes. Uh, especially when you consider that a large fraction of Stannis's host was previously Renly's. yeah like like sure i'll turn and fight for you but like i'm gonna still keep you out of the corner of my eye to be like is that is that him like i'm gonna follow him around let's just go where he's going i missed him let's go see we all miss him he's fabulous (laughs) take off your hat where have you been buddy come on it's just like i like i'm not accepting this like oh yeah well maybe he got swept away in the battle and some people who were like did like a quick change magic act with him to make him disappear no i don't buy it yeah i mean there's a lot of dummies in here considering consider all the like high-ranking lords and ladies who were like wait is that remley (laughs) right and like and the number of them that could demand to see 
him, right? Like the number who would be on the field that day and be like, oh, damn, that's Renly over there. I, hold on. Keep fighting, guys. But I need to go talk to Renly real quick. And I have the authority. Like I have enough troops at my command. I've got I command 10,000 cavalry. So I'm going to go talk to Renly to see what's up. Hang on. I'll be right back. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a risky ploy. Um, although honestly, very low. Actually, now that I think about it, very low risk, high reward. Because it's like, okay, if they figured out that it wasn't Rinley, then like, we're back at the original starting point. Correct. So it's yeah, it's exactly just like who cares. It's a good move. I think it's a brilliant it's a move. move. I just am surprised it worked. <laughs> it worked very well. Uh, I will say it worked a little too well, seemingly. Yeah. Unless I unless it's just like it didn't really work and people just want an excuse yeah i think there's a good chance that that's what's going on here is they saw the chain go up and all the ships burning and were like oh can we switch they had a, they had a ghost i saw him <laughs> you, <Recently. laughs> you saw the ghost right you guys saw the ghost <laughs> yeah i think that's i think that's probably it yeah for sure for sure that's it. <laughs> there's a lot of motivated reasoning here um speaking of this battle just quickly since no one's doing it, we've got to give my guy Tyrion some credit. Uh, he's fallen on rough times. Things are looking bad for him. But he did a great job. Come on. Come on. Tywin. Let's give him credit. Yeah, we need to have some serious Tyrion talk. This is this is going to be a segment here. Uh, the segment is Tyrion talk because we need to, Tyrion talk, we need okay. to have a serious discussion about Tyrion. Yeah, he kind of crushed it. He kind of... And and this is something that we realized kind of at the end of the last book is that basically everything was going to fall apart until Tyrion showed up and fixed it to the point where it was like passable. Like they still weren't in a position where they were definitely going to win, but they were in a position where like they weren't going to lose dramatically like they were right. before he showed up. And he does not like toot his own horn nearly enough for all the shit that he did to like save the city yeah like he's basically just like yeah i made the chain that was super important and i brought in those like outside mercenaries to help bolster the defenses and that's like kind of all he touts about what he did but he was doing so much more shit to keep the city from just rioting so much and tearing itself apart and he gets no he was, like, credit fixing the city watch oh i know i know it's it, 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 it do you want to know a vibe? I get very serious Glockta vibes from Tyrion in this section. Ooh. Because the section... Yeah, I, I see what you mean. The section starts off and he's like, I cannot walk up these steps. And I was like, Glockta, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just the whole time he's like very loyal for some reason to this this like society that clearly hates him. And yeah. he's just kind of like crushing it. The, the the part with his dad is just brutal because like Tywin is like a very smart tactician guy mm -hmm. and like I get that he technically came in and like saved the day and won but it's like okay as a person that like understands what's happening very well he should 100% realize that like so much of this was saved by Tyrion and he comes in and is like, I told you to rule and you came in and turned it into your whorehouse or something like that. And it's like, no, dude, 
No. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating, dude. Also, I don't think he's really considering like reality. Like, here's what I mean. Who is Casterly Rock going to? Like, let's think about this seriously, Tywin. Seriously. Who is going to inherit Casterly Rock? I don't even know. Like, sure, he can say Jamie, but like, probably not. Like, in all likelihood, no. Right. So, like, you're going to just give it to Podrick? You're going to give it to, like, some random Lannister? Cousin? No. What are you... What are you talking about? Yeah. Obviously, it's it's obviously we're ignoring the fact that Cersei should probably inherit it, but like I don't think women inherit any lands in this universe, so like right. he's, we're not even considering that because of course Tywin wouldn't consider that as an option. But like who else is it going to, Tywin? <laughs> right, especially when you consider how like if you actually just look at the scoreboard, Tyrion is, is always been doing quite well. I get that there's like an emotional thing from uh, like your wife dying when when Tyrion was born, but like get go to fucking therapy, dude. <laughs> what are you doing? Right, yeah. Um, and also, if we want to talk about playing to somebody's strengths, clearly. Tyrion's strength is not combat. Like, I could have told you that. Anybody could have told you that. Okay? You know what his strength is? Administration. <laughs> right. Make him the lord of your freaking castle and you'll make bank. Your whole family will just be mm-hmm. running the shit. Because you could just be like, yeah, Tyrion, go handle all the gold in Westeros and make it work for us. Well, it's just, I mean, to be fair, kind of, he, he gets named Master of Coin. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I don't know what that even. I I don't know what that means. I feel like I feel like taking out loans from different banks. Right, right. He's just schmoozing. He's fundraising. Which, which for that, get a tall, handsome man. You would think. You would think with a great handshake. That's key. That's all you need. Right, right, and a degree in this economy. Got to have a degree. Got it. Yeah, finance degree Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um. But at this point, Luke, they've already kind of burned the bridge with Tyrion because they were like, no, you can't have the thing you want. Right. So it's like, uh, so stupid. Related to this in Tyrion talk, where does where does Tyrion's money come from? I'm assuming there's just like a trust fund situation. Right. But like when Tyrion says, I'm going to pay you X amount of money, the Lannister house words are a Lannister pays their debts right 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 so if Tyrion shows up to like an enemy army and he's like hey i'll give you all ten thousand gold dragons if you don't fight me and goes back home and is like hey dad i need 10 million gold dragons because i promised (laughs) i promised an army that i would give it to them like what happens in that situation do you know what i mean like i get it that you made a promise and you made a you now have debts to people, but there's got to be a cutoff where Papa Tywin is like, yeah, no, I can't. I'm not going to write you that check, Tyrion. Right. I'm assuming at that point, it's like we're giving Tyrion to the to them. Like, <laughs> that's it. You're dead, Tyrion. Sure. Sure. Okay. But okay. Okay. Here's the challenge. Here's the thing I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. 
in some cases, Tyrion is paying people that are going directly against his family, right? Right. And it feels like the, the hierarchy is Tyrion at the bottom because I don't know how Tyrion is getting money aside from just like the family bank. Mm-hmm. So like they're not checking receipts and being like, Tyrion, what are you? Who are you? Who are these people you're paying? No, they're not checking receipts. This isn't. This isn't university where you're like jumping through a thousand hoops to get reimbursed for coffee. Okay. All right. Fine. T- Tyrion's paying the person that's supposed to check receipts. They uh. all. This is how ridiculous the the Lannisters are. They all just pay the dude, the accountant, a little bit extra so that he doesn't check the receipts. He's loving it, by the way. He's. It's a great gig, honestly. Any, anyone that manages money for the for the Lannisters. A little risky, but very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the money. You gotta probably. be willing to bend the rules a little bit. Right, right, yeah. Okay, last thing before we leave Tyrion talk. Okay. Maybe this is just poor a poor memory on my part, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to remember what Shay and Tyrion like have in common aside from enjoying sex. I, if I remember correctly, it was also weird how much shay was into Tyrion at the beginning okay that's not the part that i think is weird actually like shay is a sex worker and a sex worker in a society that they're not really given a lot of rights so i can totally understand why shay would be like i love you so much like please keep me safe that makes perfect sense to me i don't understand why Tyrion is like you're the one and I am going to, like, I can't stay away from you. You're like so intoxicating to me. We have such a connection. I don't, I don't understand like why Tyrion is so into Shay. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. And I, so, okay. So I will say this has happened to Tyrion before. Correct. So it's not like completely new territory. I, I, Although he presumably has had a lot of relationships with sex workers. And so like, why is it specifically Shay? I don't know if I know the answer to that. Maybe he has a very specific type in Shay and I forget the other girl's name. Yeah. We're just like, we're just like dead ringers for that type. Tyrion, you're not 16. Okay. You need to have a little bit more (laughs) adult uh, maturity, please. Maybe she's just a better actor than the other ones. Oh, could be. Well, or alternatively, maybe she is really into Tyrion, but I just don't know what they even like talk about or have in common aside from like sex is good. And we have, we like right. the good sex. Cause like, it seems, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. seems like that's most of what they talk about and do. And like, they're very kind to each other. It sounds like, it sounds like they really, you know, but I want to know what, what are their common beliefs? What do they hold? What are they? Mm. what do they dream about mm-hmm. what are their dreams the values they yeah. have yeah what do they share these are great questions all right uh let's leave Tyrion behind um okay i want to do just some like quick quick observations before we get to anything oh, a little sure. bit more meaty okay. uh first off who mm, i don't understand why it's taking bran so long to be like yeah, I want to go meet the Raven guy because if you told nine-year-old Daniel that he could fly, uh, it's not even a choice for me. I'd like, of course, I'd love to be an, <laughs> I'd love to be an animorph. Show me where I need to go. 
Sure. Okay. I, I just don't understand Bran's reticence to like going north to become a cool bird guy. I okay. I mean, to be fair, it's like okay. Bran thinks that he can go to let's say River Run or whatever, yeah. and have like a happy reunion with everyone and like a feast and whatnot. So it's like okay, we're, we can either do like go be happy and be comfortable, or like hike. 2,000 miles into an unknown and dangerous, extremely cold area. And then maybe we'll meet this weird boy that's been in your dreams. I, I think you're maybe overselling the Okay, resp- Okay, two responses to that. First, uh, Bran's not hiking. So <laughs> keep that in, uh, in perspective. Uh, second, any nine-year-old out there these days could have this experience of going back home to a nice feast after being viciously ripped away from their parent because like it sounds like all of them have been literally every nine-year-old in westeros has been ripped away from their parent no how many of these nine-year-olds can go meet a weird bird boy and fly and fulfill (laughs) a prophecy or whatever the okay like how many of these weird nine-year-olds in westeros have like a peter pan looking motherfucker who's telling them the future (laughs) and offering for them to like be this cool thing right also while bran is already able to like be in his wolf yeah are you kidding me give me more of that (laughs) okay yeah i'm I'm convinced actually that's fair instant instant decision for nine-year-old daniel that's not even a question um (laughs) okay i love how much more practical Arya is than jamie and the the parallel image the contrasting image with this is they meet the same people at the inn Mm -hmm. so yeah jamie's like i hate archers they're all like super cowardly and i wish they would just use a sword and fight me like a man Mm -hmm. aria meets these people and she's like damn bow and arrow pretty good actually i should learn how to do that (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like yeah yeah, this is true. Yeah, Arya, it is super useful, and it would be a great skill to learn. And you shouldn't be so critical of people for liking different things. <laughs> Especially, okay, so to be fair, she meets, like, the greatest archer of all time. Okay. I, I, I don't know if that necessarily changes anything, but it's like, okay, this buddy, like, can hit a bullseye from 100 yards within, like, a quarter of a second. Yeah, yeah, but, like... I imagine you put Jamie in that situation and he's he has the same response. Okay, yeah, sure. He's I still, think that's probably true. He's, he looks at that and is like, why'd you waste your time getting so good at shooting a bow? You could have learned sword. The sword's cooler. Yeah, yeah sword's way cooler. It is. <laughs> it is. Plus, Jamie's really handsome. Oh. Sword's a hand- the sword is a handsome man's weapon. Damn. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Everybody knows this. It's definitely fair. Um, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of Jamie real quick, can we just lay off Brienne of Tarth, please? It just for a moment, just God. a little bit. Literally every time you're like, oh, she's so ugly. We, okay, we get it, dude. Just, just have like a pleasant conversation. Like I get that you're trying to entertain yourself. It's like, what movies have you seen lately? <laughs> Doesn't always have to be confrontational. <sighs> just for like a minute, Jamie, please. Um, <laughs> last quick thing. Okay. Do you remember, maybe this is just my memory being bad. Why didn't Rob tell Edmure the plan? The, oh, I, I, okay. 
this was a note that I had that I now I'm realizing that I forgot to write down. What are you doing? I think that we're like giving Edmure too much shit for this. Like, I don't think we need to be concerned that Edmure is a foreign agent. Like, clearly not. Clearly Edmure is on your team. So bring him in on your plan if he's like a big part of it. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Here's here's the thing. Rob comes back and is like, I told you to guard the castle. And it's like, okay, that's not like a super definite thing. Like, it's totally reasonable if you see a vulnerable person to like go take advantage of this. Right. Edmure is right? taking initiative. It's right. Yeah, that's fine. And maybe if you were like, don't fucking leave the castle at all for anything, no matter what. Then it'd be like, okay, Edgar, you kind of screwed up. That's not what you said. <laughs> I know, dude. Especially considering who you're talking to. You're not talking to like a grunt in the army who is like just doing what you say and is worried that you're gonna like get mad at them if you mess up. You're also right. talking to like a lord of the realm, like somebody who is used to taking a leadership role in situations. Right. Like... Like a, a big one, like considering um, Hoster, Hoster Tully is about to die, he's like a major, major lord. Correct. It's like, it's reasonable. It was a reasonable thing to do. I know. I know, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you remembered. I'm glad you brought this up because I apparently forgot. Yeah. Catelyn wants to talk about how Rob's winning all these battles. Everybody wants to talk about how Rob's winning all these battles and he that doesn't win a war. But there's other things Rob is doing that are really ruining his chances here. Right. Right. Um, it's like if, you're, if your whole thing depends on like one of your big lords doing something that you haven't told him to do, tell him to do it. All right, let's get some active communication and not rely on like passive understanding, please. Right, right. I think I, I think we're just looking for excuses here. It's hmm. all, all I'm seeing, Rob. Frustrated by it, Rob. Okay, can we can we leave Westeros for my last for my last note? Let's get out of here. Okay, so we don't get much time with Danny, mm-hmm. um, but we get to see the dragons. Uh, she's sailing. And Jorah convinces her to go to, I think, Slaver's Bay and then makes a move that I think was unsuccessful, but poorly thought out. Yes. At the, at the least. Yes. Um, that's not what I want to focus on. Okay. What I want to focus on is that they're on the sea and she has some Dothraki with her who notoriously hate the sea. And their reasoning for hating the sea is that they don't trust it because their horses can't drink it, and that's unnatural. Uh-huh. Yeah. And sure, I, like, I appreciate that this is a reason that very much matches your vibe and sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Who are we kidding, though? This is just, this is an excuse. You're just afraid of sailing. So don't, don't come at me uh. with this nonsense <laughs> about your horses can't drink the water, so it's unnatural. You're just afraid of sailing and get sick. Stop making excuses like this. Come on. Yeah, I mean, okay, you're right, though. This is classic Dothraki. 
like no Dothraki is ever going to admit that they're terrified of getting on a wooden boat and having it rock around a little bit. No Dothraki right. is ever going to admit that they hate to vomit off the side of a ship and just don't like how it feels. <laughs> that that's you're gonna have instantly have people challenging you and have to cut off your braid if you do that. Right. You, their whole right. their whole vibe is set up to where they they literally have no other option than to blame their horse for the reason they don't like the ocean. They're, yes, they're, yes. But if you like, if if you're me and you hear that and try to dig a little bit deeper, the whole thing falls away because it's like, okay, but you get, you get that we're not drinking the water, right? You get that we're bringing barrels of water separately for them to drink. That's it's it's fine. Yeah, but the uh, or like, <laughs> like I don't even know if they're bringing their horses. It's like. I, do you think that they all know do you think that they all know and are like deciding that they're just ne- they're gonna refuse to admit it it's all like like they all secretly know there's a glance that passes between all of them when they say that they don't like it because their horses can't drink it and the glance is like we're, we will never admit to anyone including amongst ourselves the real reason now i, I have so. now i have I to go so. vomit again excuse me <laughs> It's, it's because I'm so worried about my horse, though. That's why. <laughs> right. That's why I'm down below decks is my horse. I'm just worried about the horse. <laughs> he can't drink. Yeah. He can't drink the water that he wasn't going to drink anyway. Yeah. They've literally backed themselves into a corner. It's pretty insane. Also, ooh, ooh. Did we ever, uh, did we ever talk about the logistics of moving an entire call across an ocean? I don't think we ever did. Uh, I don't think so. Luke... Imagine bringing a horse for every person you're trying to ship across an okay. ocean. You're just okay. So you're just saying that it was they, it, it like doesn't matter because they wouldn't be able to do it. I I want to actually take us somewhere else. Okay. Because because you've now made me come up with a a, a small theory. Let's here. go. Because I think now this idea was planted because people outside of the dothraki area we're like i don't want those fuckers coming over to my land uh t- t- tell them to get tell them their drink horses can't drink the water <laughs> then i'm not worried about the dothraki anymore it's fine masterful hold on luke so <laughs> you're saying the people everywhere else got together and we're like we need to convince the dothraki to never leave that that continent Right, they, because who are the Dothraki? The Dothraki, the whole point of them is that they ride around and bust up everyone's city and take their stuff. That's the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So everyone, everyone, <laughs> the the Dothraki would need a boat to get to, got together <laughs> and found a way. Luke, can I pose an alternate theory? Okay. Maybe this is a complimentary theory. Do you ever wonder... Who convinced Viserys that the Dothraki would be the ones that they should take to Westeros? Mm-hmm. Maybe all the people that live on the Dothraki continent were got together and were like, hey, we need to get these guys out of here. Where are we? <laughs> How do we do that? And they're like, okay, well, there's this, there's this Targaryen over on Westeros that is trying to retake Westeros. You think we could trick him into <laughs> shipping all the Dothraki across the sea? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That seems yeah. like the move. <laughs> it's just a propaganda war between the people close to the Dothraki and the people far away. 
Literally, the Targaryens don't matter at all. Nobody actually cares about the Targaryens. It's literally just, how do we keep the Dothraki in a place? (laughs) The whole conflict in these books is, how do we keep the Dothraki from coming to attack us? I think that's right. I think that's right. That feels really good to me. Uh, Because they sound like absolute nightmares for anybody who's, like, developed a civilization that's in a a city. (laughs) Yes, right. Oh boy. Um okay, Luke, I think we've I think we've covered uh covered Westeros and and all the lands around for this episode. What do you think? Yeah, I think we landed in a good spot there. Mhm. Mhm. So next week, get to the halfway point. Uh That's right. We'll see what's we'll see what's happening with our folks. We'll see if anything is is getting better or maybe taking a bit of a downturn. Who can say? But we'll be there next week with hot takes and being dumb nerds. Thank you.